electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Money starts right now. Live from the Nasdaq market side overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Our traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Tim Seymour, Steve Grosso, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, a ton of after-hours news. FedEx and Oracle both reporting earnings moments ago. Those conference calls kicking off right now. We'll bring you the latest details. Plus, check out the other big after-hours mover, Starbucks, sinking. As the coffee giant says moments ago, it is dialing back its growth prospects and closing more stores this year than expected. But Pete here says the name is a screaming buy. He will explain why. And we start with those trade wars in today's sell-off. Stocks getting slammed as the rhetoric with China hits a fever pitch with industrials and materials leading the way lower. The Dow now turning negative for the year. In fact, it uh, was so bad at one point we even reached back in time and whipped out Frank goes to Hollywood. Yep, bingo, bingo. It's is, your, that, is that the one with the big T-shirts with the letters? Yes, yes exactly. But as a trade war takes no market prisoners, we wanted to differentiate the individual stocks that should be selling off on fears of a trade war and which ones are being unfairly punished by investors on fears of a trade war. So we start here with Boeing down nearly 4%. And this is our game for tonight. Game right at the top. <laughs> trade war stock. Or not a trade war stock. Very straightforward, one would think. Tim, well, Boeing. Nothing straightforward on this desk, but I can play this game. Not a trade war stock. And what? here's why. I think the market, oh, yeah, God. that's right. That's right. I think the market is unjustly punishing Boeing. If you look at what's going on, especially as it relates to China, uh, Boeing is mostly shipping 737s, and they're ultimately doing something that I, I think these are low-margin jets. If you look at, if you wipe China deliveries completely off of Boeing, this is probably $5 to the share price. Also, really, what are your choices? You're going to go with an Airbus, the Neo A320. First of all, they've had major problems with that. Deliveries there are probably seven or eight years but you behind. But you say Get unjustly, I mean, though, it's, Tim. It's over 12% of their revenue is derived from China. So how can it be unjustly? In 2017, they had a 300-plane contract for $37 billion. It's, it's about 9% of their, of their order book right now. My understanding is, and again, this is listening to a couple of the top analysts on the street. Hunter K says, you take China out of delivery, it's 5 bucks off the share price. Bottom line here is, Airlines are not purchased at whim. This is a long-cycle purchase item. I don't think China's in a position. Also, the, the deal that they have with Comac means a lot of the small-body airplanes are being made in China, and actually, I think that, act, that is somewhat insulating for, for, for Boeing here. Bottom line is, Boeing had a miraculous run on the way up. I think a lot of this is some air out of the sails. It's just based upon the share price. So just to interpret, even though the market is beating this down as if it's the po poster child of the trade war, you're saying it is not a trade it's war. It's not stock. a trade war stock. Fundamentals. This isn't just it will not be hit, even if there is a trade. I don't know. Was I not clear? No, I mean, I, 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 sure. I, we're just, I know everybody's nervous about this game, but I mean, we just want to get you on record. Well. I, I and I were kind of going to calendar of, like, if you did the calendar of trade war stocks, right. Boeing right, would right. be like Mr. January. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Then Caterpillar right behind. But I, I, said, look, I, I think you're, I think you're wrong. And know. again, I think if you look at what the what is the choice? Are they going to go into a, an Airbus plane that's not Do being built correctly? Do you think there's correctly? any China-related stocks at all? Of course I do. Okay. Of course I do. In fact, I think you should probably talk just about one at some point tonight. <laughs> Let's talk but about we'll another one. Let's so, talk about another one. I just did. Boeing. Apple. 
trade war stock or not a trade war stock? Guy Adami, you're up. Well, one would think the logical answer, it is a trade war stock, right? They get a significant percentage of their revenues. Most of their components are built there. So, you, oh, my God, Apple's going to get decimated. I would say, however, mm. not a trade war. Wow, another guy who doesn't get the game. Now, I, I, I think I'm playing the game right. I and think, if you, no, no, I you think are, I'm playing the game right. And if you look, and this is my, I think Tim Cook is, I think his relationship with China is such that they are not going to be harmed. I think they probably have some sort of handshake agreement with the Trump administration and probably the administration in China. Listen, don't come after us. If you want to do some ancillary stuff, that's fine. But my sense is this stock is not going to get hit if there's a full-blown trade war. I want to clarify one thing. If it's a full-blown trade war, though, because what does that mean? Could well, be in the here's what I mean by but that. I don't think there oh. will be. The growth that you're getting right now, and this will be make you happy, Steve. Thank you. The growth that you're getting right now out of China and Japan, but China is what we're focusing on right now. The growth you're getting out of China right now is something we all lean on all the time. It is spectacular. 21% growth, right? I mean, that is something to look at and go, oh, my goodness, this is a huge number. So if, it's, if, if you're right and the handshake agreement is there, and I, I happen to agree with you, by the way, then I think you're right. I think this is not a trade but war But that doesn't issue. matter if there's a handshake agreement. So, it matters if it's a trade war stock or not. And 20% so of that revenue answer is, is derived is from China. China. So, it has to be a trade so what, war stock. So what are you saying? It is a trade war stock or it's I, not a trade I war stock? I think it is a trade. No, I think it's a <laughs> trade serious, war. I, I think it's a trade war stock. This is confusing. However, is war stock. I do think so. But. That's as long as that handshake I, agreement part of that is so out of the not a trade war. Take a look at Take yeah, a look so, at CNBC.com. So there it. was a great article today <laughs> on CNBC.com about how the iPhone, iPhone components, basically $370 of a $1,000 iPhone, uh, are actually made from overseas. Right. And if you think that actually every one of those countries that's in line to get a piece of a component that's part of the, the, the iPhone you know, manufacturing process, absolutely is a trade war stock. There's no question it's going right. to be impacted. I mean, that, so, that to me is so if is Apple's plain a trade war stock, then Boeing's a trade war stock. You're right. We're out of that. We already talked about Boeing. <laughs> you didn't get that point Boeing in before. Boeing is ancient Bottom history line. at this yeah, point. Yeah, now we're talking Boeing Apple. Just because I got you. No, but, but you the, use the same metrics. That's the components, the components issue, that's, that's an interesting argument because they will probably have to pay tariffs on the components going into China, into those Foxconn factories in order to be assembled. Unless, but the bigger again, problem could be Korea and Taiwan. if the Chinese government actually hampers those iPhones from being delivered or manufactured right. in some way by hampering and pushes the supply their own. No, no, if that happens, right into you, big boy. Oh, so now he's backtracking. Guys, backtracking. Ahead of eight iPhone so, launches oh, in the fall. Right, right. So it's, it's a trade war stock is what you're saying. It's absolutely a trade war stock. Right. Well, actually, is I said the same. I'm moving on. Nike. Trade war stock. Thank you, Grasso. Why? Trade war stock. 12% of revenues. When you tick above 10%, it's a trade war stock. I even, I, you mean, where did that stat come from? Revenues. From revenues. Okay. Revenues coming from yeah. out of China, 12%. And if you look at the performance, if you look at Under Armour, I know that we've had a rebound in Under Armour. Under Armour, not a trade war stock. Nike, a trade Steve, war we, stock. We've had trade war chatter for four months, and Nike's basically right near all-time highs. How does do you it, explain Does that? it matter whether or not there's an impact of it? It, the market tries to discount whatever they have. You're thinking two dominoes removed. That's why you don't get the game. I don't know. Boeing is a trade war stock. I don't Apple's know what you're stock. even saying Nike's right now. Nike is a trade I, I, I know, and that's why you don't get the game. I would agree with Steve, though, because, the, again, similar to Apple, this mm -hmm. is where the growth is for Nike. 
They're getting growth everywhere, you know, internationally. They're getting great growth. I don't agree with growth. that at all. In fact, 17% I, of the growth. Yeah, but is, the recovery it, Nike stock is North American deliveries. No, it's not. That's what, no, no, no. Oh, you didn't like on. Nike because they were getting weak in North America. The, the I mean, that's, that's a different story. The recovery of the North American market, and I think the competitive landscape is such that they're taking market share back from Adidas. That's a more important dynamic to me Can than China. Can I ask a question? Just a, under, what's, the under what scenario? I know. I, I, this is formality here. <laughs> under what circumstance are you actually tonight. concerned about the revenues from China? For a Nike, I mean, are you concerned? Is it a social boycott, social media boycott sort of scenario? I think you're going to see. Yes, I think you're going to see brands that are boycotted there. I think you'll see the McDonald's of the worlds. I think you'll see the Yums. I think you will see the Nikes. I think you will see the Apples. These are brands that will be. You boycotted. think Chinese people are going to stop things. going to, the, to, to McDonald's because oh, I think that they're going to our next stop. Wait a minute! McDonald's. Stop talking McDonald's trade war stock. Jumps on my stock, Pete. Yeah. McDonald's. Yes. Here's the biggest problem. Yes, trade war stock, and here's why. As much as everybody thinks this is an all-American company, it's really not. Only 35% of the revenue from McDonald's actually coming from North America. When you look at China and the rest of the globe, twice the revenue growth of what you're seeing going on right now here in the United States. Have have you ever heard of the Big Mac Index, Mel? What a Big Mac costs around the world. What a Big Mac costs around the world. By the way, a Big Mac already costs more in China than it does here on a relative basis. So guess what? People are already overpaying for McDonald's in in, in China. They are going out of their way to the Golden Arches because, in fact, it's an iconic global brand. They're not going to stop just because they're going to pay. McDonald's is down four percent. You know what's not a McDonald's has been on a record run. This year has been not a trade war stock. Domino's, Domino's Pizza, not not a trade war stock. How did Domino's get in this? I just slipped it in. We had a much more important game. But I would say this. this is trying to make you guys understand the game. I'm like to bring in list, someone who could really talk about this the from best, an expert perspective. best relationship in China? And I would suggest it's Apple. Apple. Which is why Apple, in, when I answer the question, is nah. not a trade war stock. Right? Didn't I nah. say that? Yeah, right. on the handshake. Not a trade war stock. All right. It's a confusing uh, game. For, <laughs> for you, it is. <laughs> Waking up is confusing. For more on what a trade war means for the market, let's bring in Bob Nardelli. He was a former Chrysler chairman and CEO, former Home Depot chairman and CEO, former GE Power System CEO, and former GE Transportation CEO. He's got a lot of former roles. Bob, welcome to the show. So Thank you. You have a great perspective on what these sorts of disputes could mean for all sorts of businesses. So where do you see the biggest impact, if at all? Yeah. Well, I couldn't help but listening to, is this a discussion or a brawl here? I wasn't quite <laughs> sure. But I, I, I may not be invited back, but, Tim, I'm, I'm with you. That's I mean, what I'm talking we're, about, my we're, man. We're assuming that we already have a trade war, and I think that's where the market was today. It kind of was trading on rumors rather than, you know, than on fact. And, and so I don't think Boeing's uh, a trade war stock. I think, you know, Jim McNerney, former GE guy, did a superb job positioning that. I think... You know, for China, where are they going to go? Tim, you said at Airbus. I don't think so. Airbus is full up, and they need aircraft to grow the economy. They put $60 billion, am I right, right, back into the Chinese economy to make sure that they could stimulate it. And, and I think what we're missing here is, you know, this, this president's been in office now a year. You kind of see, you kind of can predict outrageous, you know, recommendations or take an outrageous position and then pull back. I, I saw this in space when we were at GE together. I mean, Jack would always set an outrageous goal. And, of course, he'd bring you to his side of the table. And he didn't get what he asked for, but he got more than you were going to offer. Mm. And, and I think we're seeing a strategy here. And we're also seeing, you know, the old saying, we're seeing the sausage being made. The last administration, you didn't hear anything. You didn't see anything. So you didn't have the insight 
you know, that we have through the benefit of, of everything being tweeted out uh, in the process. One time it's a rocket man, the next time it's, hey, buddy. Hey, good to see you. Yeah, good to see it. So I, I'm not as concerned about this. I think we overreacted. I think the, the algorithms took charge. I don't think there was a lot of human intervention in, in what happened today. We'll see tomorrow, right? We got a little pullback right. from the depths of 400. Uh, what are we in? About 280 or something. And, and, and these are industrial stocks, so that's, they right. were going to get hit and the hardest. Industrials as a sector yeah. down in correction uh, territory right now. What would you advise the president? I mean, having had a front row seat to the Jack Welch style of negotiation, which Donald Trump, you're saying, it seems to have adopted. Yes. At what point do you pull back and say, you know what, it's gone too far? Because the market is reacting pretty dramatically when it comes to certain sectors and certain stocks. I think, you know, again, what... Uh, president's going to do what he's going to do. Sure. But I think, uh, you know, he's a very reasonable individual, and he's going to set an outrageous expectation. He's going to pull him to his side of the table. And I think when he sees some movement in a positive direction, then he'll, he'll come back over to a more reasonable uh, uh, decision point. So you two were football players out there, and you know football, you got to study film because you're looking for the tendencies of the other team, right? And teams that do the same thing over and over again, sort of easy to study for. My point is... President Trump, I mean, this is his game plan, but he is, his tendencies are such that don't you think other people are on to him now at this point? You know, he puts his, the worst possible deal forward, then walks everything back. At a, at a certain point, might not work anymore. Are we at that point? You just never know if he's going to walk it back or not. That's still to be determined. He has in several occasions, but he may not. He may elect not to. When you look at, you know, he's always talked about fair trade. You were talking earlier today about the auto industry. I heard about the BMWs and, and so forth. And you look at, you know, having been in the auto industry, I'm not sure we had fair trade. You know, when I was running GE Power Systems until we saw this administration help us on corporate tax, now we're getting a little better level playing field when I was having to compete against ABB, Siemens, and Alstrom, you know, what I was exporting versus what they were importing. So, you know, if you look at the recent CEO surveys, over, the, over half of them think the next 12 months is going to be better than the last 12. Over half of them think they're going to add more employees. Three-quarters of them said, hey, we are where we are because of corporate tax rollback, repatriation, and what we've seen in government regulations. All very, very positive. Now, the repatriation, I think we got a good hit in the market from that. Right. It's immediate. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've seen the full impact yet of the tax, of the ta corporate tax cut. You know, we've only, we're only in into it for a quarter, almost two quarters now, right, Steve? So I think we're going to continue to see that. I think, you know, earnings are very positive through, through the first half of the year. And I think, you know, the market reacts more violently on a rumor mm -hmm. than they do on positive performance. Right. Bob, it's always great speaking with you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for your time. Great to see you in person. Thank Bob you. Nardelli. Handsome man. Among other things, yeah. No, I'm just saying. I, mean, um, okay, I, I so, can't say so, that. I mean, it's true. Of course. Well, you just Fate did. Fact. So let's say that the market is overreacting, and you have a not a trade war stock like a Boeing, although everybody seems to think it is a trade war <laughs> well, stock. Bob is this, is this Bob the agreed with Okay, right. But is this Takes the weakness three, that you're... Understand the game. Are you willing to buy this weakness? Or do you say, you know what, the market, no matter what I believe, the market is perceiving this to be a trade war stock and is selling it. So well, I'm not going to touch it, it. One of the things that concerns me is, you know, despite the negotiation stance maybe being just that, I, I worry that this administration doesn't really understand the basics of trade finance, um, or at least understanding where the trade deficit actually, how it's measured and what it looks like. I also think that the global manufacturing chain is such now that I think we're in a different place than we were 20 years ago. So ultimately, I think there's, there's a lot of, there are a number of problems 
products that really are truly globally created. And I think this brings in a lot more. Bottom line is confidence is a leading indicator. And some of the confidence indicators we're hearing, whether it was the housing numbers yesterday about lumber prices, steel companies, regional Fed surveys, people aren't happy. I think when it comes down to it, just to clarify the game in my mind, I did not think today's reaction was officially trade wars. Mm -hmm. If we get to the point of trade wars, then I do agree with you that Boeing's getting hit wrong because 95% of their income comes to the United States. I mean, those, those are just the numbers. Yes, right. they have revenue coming from China, but they don't make money off of the, the revenue right. that they're doing. the lowest margin. Plans. Right. So because of that, I'd agree. I'm just saying that there are names out there, and some of the right. names we were talking about on this desk, yeah. that absolutely have enough exposure to China that if there's a full-blown trade war, they deserve to be but sold right off. now, they're weak. And what do you do with them? Are they buying opportunities? Yes, or are you, or you absolutely, yeah. because I'm in the belief that President Trump is in the midst of this negotiation once again, and any kind of weakness I see in Nike or something like that, yeah. I'd be a buyer. All right, coming up. If today's sell-off has you worried, there's one group of stocks that could be setting up to be the perfect hideout spot, and it's not technology. Plus, Tesla could be the next big target of the trade war. We'll tell you what the tariffs could mean for CEO Elon Musk and a soaring stock, and later Starbucks getting slammed after the company dialed back its growth prospects. But Pete here says giddy up. He is buying the stock. What does he see yeah, that buddy. others don't? He'll break it down. You're watching Fast Money Live in New York City's Times Square. Much more Fast Money right after this. Breaking news on General Electric. Seema Modi's in the newsroom with the details. Seema. Melissa, Dow Jones in the sea says Walgreens Boots Alliance will replace General Electric in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It will be effective on June 26th. Major news, a big change in the Dow, adding Walgreens, which will replace General Electric. Of course, GE has been under immense pressure in 2018, down 26% and lower here in after-hours trade by 1%. Take a look at how Walgreens is trading right now. Last time I checked, Slightly higher on this news, this big move going into the Dow, replacing GE. Melissa, back to you. All right, Seema, thank you very much. Seema Modi in the newsroom. Pete Nigerian, something tipped you off earlier today to something bad happening. Yeah, you know, it was on. earlier in the day, too. It was yeah. uh, 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning, East Coast time, and, and somebody was rolling out of a trade that was already successful. May 23rd, they bought 42,000 of the July 14 puts. Stock was trading about 1450 something like that. They were just out of the money puts. Those were sold today for a double. They went, paid 54 sold them for $1.30, so a little bit more than double. Today, 85000 of the July 12 puts bought. So really, really aggressive, 12 and a half puts. They're $0.32, cents, so that's big. I mean, when you start seeing those kind of numbers, Mel, it makes you wonder, and I've said this for a while, is it going to be a single-digit stock? I don't know that it will, and sometimes coming out of the Dow eventually actually sort of is a boost for some of these different... But it's going to be an interesting thing to watch over the next couple of days because that put buying was absolutely massive today. What happens, G, I mean, this is not the same sort of impact in terms of indexing um, that an S&P 500 removal would be, which, of course, is not going to be. Mm -hmm. But uh, are you concerned about here as a, as well, a shareholder? Well, I, I tell you what, right? I, I think the, the story now for GE revolves around what are they going to do with the div, and I think we're going to get some color. They, they did not rule out cutting the div altogether for 2019, and frankly, I think the market's going to reward them. People do not want to see an equity raise. I think the, the, the bottom line is the revaluation of assets continuing to divest is very important, and I think some of these energy assets are actually getting upgraded in terms of their asset value, but the div's most important. I'm still long it. I remain long it. It has been obviously trading poorly, but I think it's always in the name when you see a lot of these moves. So I think that this could be the reason why I was trading poorly. And to Pete's point, once this gets behind them, I do believe that the stock can move higher in the next couple of days. This is a historic moment, though. 100% a historic This is an moment. original Dow component. 
110 years yeah. in the Dow. And Nick, they had a seat. Well, listen, I would imagine <coughs> that management saw it coming, but it's something they didn't want to deal with. You don't want to lose that. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing to have on your mantle and to take that away is significant. I don't think it means necessarily anything in terms of the business, to Tim's point. But it definitely has. You're going to be reading about this See, in the paper I mean, tomorrow. Think about, uh, you know, what's kind of crazy about this. This is still a $120 billion company, okay, folks? Yeah. And, and when you think about how these indices are constructed, right, a, a, a market cap weighted versus a price weighted, I mean, it, you know, you have to know what you own here. And S&P, which is market cap weighted to me, makes a lot more sense, especially we're talking about a company that it may have a $12 price on it, a handle on its stock. But it's a $120 billion company, and I think that's going to get lost here. Yeah, one of the pressures and one of the factors certainly has is the preference by the committee that creates the, the index to keep the, the ratio of no more than 10 to 1 from the lowest Dow component to the smallest Dow component. We saw Boeing's rise, and that's really throwing that ratio out of whack. So what had to go? The smallest Dow component, and that would be General Electric, by price, by share price. Well, I mean, which is a math game, I think. It's been out of whack for a long point. time. Sure. So, yeah, sure. It's been out of yeah. whack. But in terms of the stock, they just said, I think, on June 8th, dividend remains the same. So I think they've addressed the dividend for the short term, at least. Question is, at what point, at what point does it flush itself out where people are going to get back in? And go, I go back to Cowan. Seven or eight months ago, they put like an $11.5 price target on it. And quite frankly, that's right in the crosshairs right now. I think the time frame that it's going to take to get rid of the debt and be able to sell off the assets you're talking about energy is actually starting to be a boon for them it just takes time and i mean i think that's the one thing I mean, it's how patient do you want to be with this stock the time frame that it's going to take so that this debt ratio that they've got right now can be loosened they've made up. progress though pete i mean it's not like they have made, made some progress. progress but it's a massive oh that's a I huge think number still i, I think, mean it's go ahead no you're right i think it's all about transparency into, into essentially what kind of uh, loan provisions they have to continue to put up against ge cap mm -hmm. and some of the healthcare business so uh, you get more transparency into this company the assets are there there's, there's a value for the assets and if anything i don't care about the earnings i know the earnings are going to be a buck or you know plus or minus i don't are you, think are that's you really about in the, the dividend I, look I, I think at this point the dividend needs to go in 2019 mm -hmm. 2018, it's intact. 2019, why, why, why labor over this? You're already, it's already a big day in terms of the history of the company and the capital markets. Who cares about As a shareholder, I'd be more concerned about the dividend being drastically cut or eliminated altogether because that eliminates GE from dividend funds. Right. There are certain mandates, right, yeah. in terms of increasing yes. dividends or maintaining dividends. But or it also addresses their problems. Like, so I would submit that if AT&T cut, AT&T now is a fundamentally different company, right? I think they are at least. Why wouldn't, they, proxy. why wouldn't they just cut their dividends? Say, you know, we're a different company now. We're going in a different direction. That would, to me, would be actually make the stock more attractive rather than less. I think the same thing with GE. Yeah, the knee jerk would be, oh, my God. But you know what? They might be then saying, we realize what we have to deal with now. And that, do you talk about transparency? That would be yeah. the ultimate form of transparency. We want to uh, bring in Bob Nardelli. Remember, Whoa. he was just here on set with us. He's actually in a taxi cab, but we managed <laughs> to grab him on the phone. Um, Bob, an historic day for General Electric. What's your reaction here? Yeah, well, it's just another bit of heartbreaking news for those of us that spent, you know, 30-some years there, right? Hello? Hello, yes, we got you. Yeah, okay, I thought I dropped. I'm sorry. Uh, it's just a bit of heartbreaking news. Uh, you know, it's been rumored for a while, so it's not surprising that uh, it got dropped. But it, I think it was the only one or one of only two original Dow-listed companies after 125 years. So. It's a sad day, I think, for, for GE and all of us that worked there for, you know, such a long time. I, I was listening to some of the comments. Uh, you know, I think John Flannery has his work cut out for him. He's been there a year now, and 
I think time is not a friend uh, when you're dealing with the challenges that he's that he's facing. I hope uh, I hope you're right that the dividend is solid for this year. I mean, if you read some of the analyst reports, uh, you know, there's a point of view that that might have to be impacted again. And I think what the you know, uh, let's let's face it, it was weighting the Dow down and. You know, when people use that as a as a barometer for investment, uh, I'm not surprised that uh, they decided to, you know, transition GE out. And I'm not aware who they put in there yet. But, uh, you know, maybe Tim's right. They'll put Boeing in. Right. And uh, or it's already right. So I don't know who they'll put in there, but it's uh, it's a sad day for, I think, all of us at GE. And and again, not surprising uh, that they'll put somebody in there. That will buoy that uh, the Dow index up a little bit. Do you think that um, Boeing is in there, Bob? By the way, and Walgreens yeah. Boots Alliance is actually going to replace General Electric in the index. But do you think that the worst is over for General Electric? Do you think the dividend is safe? Well, I, I don't think the worst is over. I mean, you know, John mentioned he's got to uh, he's got twenty billion dollars of assets that he has to monetize, and quite honestly, they've had a little bit of a slow start in doing that. You know, they they uh, they put the transportation deal together, but uh, that isn't realized until 2019, at least from a cash flow standpoint. You know, they've got uh, they've got uh, some of the portable power business on the line. They've I think they're in negotiations on the lighting business. Uh, so I just think they've got to, you know, move more quickly. I've said this several times already, uh, having lived through this at Chrysler. You know, relative to cost out, uh, monetizing non-earning assets, uh, you know, uh, getting rid of some of the 20, 20 billion worth of assets that he's identified. Mm-hmm. If you look at inventory, you know, what are we doing to get the working capital in line with the revenue? I mean, if you just go down, you know, the income balance state, income statement balance, you'll you'll see a lot of opportunities that just need decisions. Sure. Um, for investors, though, part of it is perception, uh, and and getting kicked out of the Dow Jones Industrial Average certainly doesn't um, probably enhance uh, the perception of General Electric. What do you think John Flannery needs to do in order to calm investors at this point? And we're seeing the stock tick lower by about 2% in the after-hour session on this, when really GE as a company hasn't changed from an hour ago versus now being kicked out of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. But obviously this is partly perception. What needs to be said at this point? What do investors need to hear from your point? I think they need, you know, again, we, we just talked on air about the perception of a, of a, uh, of a tariff war, uh, you know, with, with China. And, you know, my comment was, I think, you know, we're trading on, we're trading on speculation here on rumors. Uh, I, I think for the average investor hearing that it was uh, transitioned out of the Dow, you know they're going to they're going to react to that uh, that something uh, must be worse than is what being publicized. I think he needs to come on. You know he needs to get out there and and be very positive about what he is going to do. You know and, and Jack Welch always had a motto. You know don't confuse hard work with success. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not a matter of working harder. It's a matter of of delivering performance. If not in the bottom line, but at least that you're you're monetizing assets and and getting more free cash flow. To cover, you know, a pension deficit, to be able to handle 4.2 billion dollars of dividends, and uh, you know, certainly don't put yourself further in the ditch with 130 billion, you know, in debt, uh, which is already on the book. So I, th- I just think there's a lot of specifics that right. John and the and team can do. 
Uh, you mentioned Jack Welch. What do you think he would say about this? Well, I think I think Jack is probably heartbroken about it. Uh, to find you know a company he, he spent 20 years at as the CEO and and the culture that he developed and the performance and you know I mentioned Jim McNerney. You look at Dave Cody. I mean, there's just been a tremendous amount of individuals that grew up under his toolage that have gone on to successfully run companies. And so I, I think he's probably very disappointed that, you know, that uh, post-Jack, uh, the company started to, you know, somewhat of a downward spiral selling. We talked earlier about uh, selling NBC mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, NBC having record performance with the Olympics, with the election, with the Super Bowl. And, you know, I think uh, it's, it's just disappointing to see that uh, they lost that momentum and that opportunity to drive earnings and to drive free cash flow. Right. Bob, thanks so much for phoning in. We appreciate it. Okay. Thank Bob, you. Bob Nardelli, who's uh, spent a good portion of time this evening with us here. Um, let's talk about that. You know, that's an interesting notion that Bob had brought up, that there were many, um, I don't want to say offspring, but sort of, um, not Tiger Cubs, but sort of the underlings of Jack Welch who had gone on to run yes. other companies very successfully, companies that did very well stock-wise for investors. And Jeff Immelt was chosen instead, and we're here. His coaching tree. In other yes. words, like Phil Parcells had a right. coaching tree. Exactly. Coaching tree. exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, it's interesting. So Bill Belichick obviously is one. I mean, we're now talking football, but his Charlie first job was the Cleveland Browns, well. and he failed miserably. So, <laughs> you know, Jeff Immelt walked into a very – I'm not an apologist for Jeff Immelt, and we can talk about G for the next four shows, but he probably walked into a more difficult situation than he realized, quite frankly. I don't think he made it any better, but things weren't all as great as probably appeared to be at GE for a long time prior to Mr. Immelt coming in. Well, I think there were, there were major commitments and investments made in power and energy at, at a top of a cycle, and, and they're, you know, they're not the first company to have done that. Um, the other thing I want to say is though that we've had companies kicked out of the Dow before that have gone on to do great things in terms of their share price. I mean, look, look, at, look at Bank of America in 2013, Alcoa. I mean, these are companies that have you know, essentially rocketed and are near all-time highs, if not at it. Um, we've also had companies that have been put in it that have kind of languished. So this is really about a market cap thing. I think you have to look at companies on the fundamentals. I don't, I don't really care whether companies in, in the Dow or not. And frankly, what we've also seen, back to our trade discussion, the industrials are underperforming right now, and there's a reason for it, and I think they may continue in the short term. But you brought up the fundamentals, and that, that's what concerns me still, is I bring up the debt all the time, and, and, and Bob Nardelli just brought it up as well. I mean, it, that is a monstrous number. You're talking about $125 billion. Unfunded liabilities. And oftentimes, it, when it came to GE under Mr. Emmelt, who's a friend, uh, yep. Noam lived in my town, a great guy, yep. but reactive, not proactive. Always sort of chasing, and, and you brought up the energy portion. That's the point I always look at. It's like you're chasing energy, and when you get energy and it's $110 oil, and then all of a sudden it slips down. I mean, there are multiple right. uh, examples of but that, right unfortunately. right here, right now, down one point something percent after a whatever right percent decline, a 25 percent right. decline year to date, yeah. it is not a buy for you because it is of the buy. debt. I own the puts, so you that tells puts, you what so, I yeah, think. Okay. It, it is a buy. And to, <laughs> it we, is a buy. We, it is a buy because this, if, if you Google search GE coming out of the Dow, it goes back quite some time. So this has been At least sort since of January the, when sort of in the numbers. Out of yes, Dow. it's been sort of in the numbers right now. And to, we've made this point already. If you buy the one that's going out and sell the one that's going in, you usually fare better than the knee-jerk reaction to do the opposite. But if there's, more of a, if there's another shoe to drop, I would be worried about the dividend. That would have a bigger impact on the stock in terms of 
For it's sure. the impact of being pulled out of but, funds. Yeah, but I, I also just think selling. that's going to be a relief. I think that's hanging over this stock right now. I also think that's transparency. That's going to be more insight into the balance sheet. And, you know, maybe not insight we want, um, but I, I, I think stocks that are owned, owned just for the div and what, whether they sit in, you know, those types of mutual funds or index funds, um, that's not a reason to own it. I agree with you on that. I think it would be a short-term push on the yeah. stock. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. it pushes I mean. it down pretty strong. And then people come to their senses because mm -hmm. fundamentally it's what had to be done. Let's talk about the flip side of this. So GE is out. Walgreens Boots Alliance is in. If you had to, if you had to pick a stock to add to the Dow, would it be WAG? Oh, it's or, actually I, WAG is the old ticker. WBA. WBA. <laughs> I, I had, what should it have been? I, I, I don't know the answer. I mean, that's a question I was absolutely not prepared. I can't tell you what should have come in. I, it's pretty obvious why GE went out. I don't know how they come to the conclusion that Walgreens Boots Alliance well, should go. Well, again, all right, so it's a $65 billion company that's been sideways over the last couple of years. And, in fact, you know, I think it's, it's in a sector where people are still starting to question some of the existential issues of why you walk into a drugstore in the first place. So I don't think it's a great time to be fired up about this company. And I think at 15 times it's not cheap. Would you have said a fang stock? I was leaning that way. Well, I was thinking it over as you as right. you brought that out. I was actually debating well, wait, 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 on it. Well, if just Pina Jaren were head of the committee, you know, it's not going to be the Facebooks of, of the world. But I mean, uh, I think not? there I think there are names in there, and it's probably not Netflix. I just look at those as you know they don't seem like they really feel like Dow stocks. But maybe Google. I mean, there's names in there that make you think. You know what? This name sounds like a great name. Is Walgreens a buy? I would say it's if, if going on the premise that I just made. I would say it's a sell. To sell. Does it fit the Dow? Uh, I'm sure it fits the Dow, but the Dow is not something that I think it's antiquated to begin with. So, right. you know, people, professional traders watch the S&P and they watch the Russell. We don't look at the Dow as much and everyone on this desk probably gets that. Yeah. Coming up, big changes for the Dow as we've just been talking about GE getting the boot and Walgreens replacing it. We'll have more on this story and what it can mean for both stocks. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC First and Business Worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Spoken. That's what pot stocks are doing today. And there's one name potmaster Tim Seymour says now could be the time to buy. He'll break it down. Plus, Starbucks shares are scolding investors after hours. But Pete says... Giddy up. Yeah, giddy up. And he'll tell you why he's buying the stock right now when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a news alert on Starbucks. The stock is cooling off after hours. Let's get Kate Rogers in the newsroom with the details. Hi, Kate. Hi, Melissa. That's right. Starbucks CEO Kevin Johnson presenting at a conference this afternoon. And the company breaking quite a bit of news. First, lowering their guidance for the third quarter of 2018 to 1% from 3% globally. During the presentation, Johnson said shareholders, quote, deserve better and that he is determined to fix this. He talked a lot about growth at scale with uh, founder Howard Schultz, of course, stepping down as executive chairman next week. Starbucks also announced it will be closing 150 underperforming stores in its densely penetrated markets in 2019. This is up from a historical average of about 50 stores per year in the past. Beyond that, the company announced it would be slowing its licensed store growth. They'll also be hiring an outside consultant to focus on GNA efficiency and to help identify areas of opportunity for growth. They plan to return approximately $25 billion in cash to shareholders via buybacks and dividends through 2020. This is up $10 billion from their guidance in 2017. And here's what Johnson had to say about returning capital to shareholders back in April after earnings. We're going to stay uh, focused on driving the growth agenda that we've outlined 
and at the same time returning more and more cash to shareholders in, in the form of dividends uh, and buybacks. And we think that formula is a good long-term formula for, for uh, shareholder value creation. And uh, we've demonstrated that over the, the last three years, and I anticipate we're going to continue to, to uh, focus on it from that perspective. On top of all that, they also approved a dividend of 36 cents per share. As you can see, the stock is down under 2% now. Melissa, back over to you. All right. Thank you very much. Kate Rogers in the newsroom. Um, so is Starbucks a growth company? Guy? No, Still? it's not. a. Yeah. I don't think it is a growth company. I mean, you look, Does the valuation it's not reflect a, that? It trades at 20 times forward earnings. Mm -hmm. I mean, that to me is too expensive. I don't want to give away what my vote is going to be, but I think <laughs> given the landscape that we find ourselves in, at 20 times forward earnings, given the earnings growth that they are themselves are talking about, the stock is too rich Although, for me. I mean, look at the entire space. Look at fast food, look at fast casual, but definitely fast food. I mean, what's, what's their peer group? You know, these, these multiples have gone up significantly in the last four or five years. McDonald's is more expensive than that. So um, I don't think it's a growth company here. It's but a growth company in China. But are their comp sales higher than 1%? Yeah, they absolutely are. Yeah. And, and, in fact, their comp sales are 5 to 6%. Right. I think they're going to grow, you know, in that nature. And, and the, the big issue has actually been margins. But China, they're going to double their store count by 2020. Um, I think that's, that's growth to me. I think Dunkin' Donuts, if you compare apples to apples, that's the right comparison right there. So Dunkin' Donuts is up basically 7%. Mm. The chart looks fully intact. Technically, it looks like it's breaking out. It hasn't been uh, brought down by all the other issues that surround Starbucks. And I think people are staying clear of the Starbucks trade for a host of reasons other than just this. Well, the Starbucks news uh, says makes Pete like mm. the stock even more. So oh. Pete's going to head over to the plasma for the fast pitch. Pete. Well, and today it's going to be Starbucks. And why is that? Because I do love the management team. And Howard Schultz, yes, he's stepping away. Kevin Johnson, outstanding. Mr. Ullman as well. I think these guys are exactly what Starbucks needs at this point in time to be, continue to go forward, already working on deals since being there. And I think when you really look at being in front of things right now, Mr. Johnson himself has done an absolutely fantastic job of being in front of some very, very difficult news stories that have happened over time. Excellent fundamentals of this company. Now, Guy mentions the fact that it trades at a 20 times forward, 18 times, 20 times, somewhere in that range. But when you look at this pristine balance sheet, I think that makes you start to question whether or not maybe this company is doing things right. And the fact that the balance sheet looks so good, take a look at what they're doing with their cash. They're giving it back to the shareholders in the form of dividends. It presently had a 2% dividend before the announcement just now. And the buybacks, these buybacks are just crazy. They've already shrunk the share count 7% over the last five years. And that's going to really accelerate over the next couple of years, 18, 19, and 20. We're talking 20 plus billion dollars in buybacks. So fundamentally, I like that side of the story. Now we talked about growth a little bit. Last quarter, when you get to the earnings growth, wow, that earnings growth at 20 plus percent, pretty interesting. Revenue growth as well, 14 percent. That's pretty strong. So I really like what th what, what's going on right now at Starbucks. I look at this company. I saw that news. I think they're being very react or proactive, not reactive. They are closing the stores they should be closing. And that's exactly the way they should be. 50 in the past, 150 this time. They're doing the right thing. I like this company a lot. Time to vote. Hmm. Are you buying Pete's pitch on Starbucks, Tim? I'm buying Pete's pitch. I own the stock. I think actually they're growing. I like the, actually the sale of their consumer product stuff to Nestle. I think it's a good thing. I like Starbucks. That's Pete in the picture. Seller of Starbucks, always a buyer of Pete. Seller of Starbucks. <laughs> Love you, Steve. Coffee's too rich. I think valuation is too rich. I think it trades down to last year's 52 and a half, and then you take wow, a look. Pete. Mm. Wow, Pete, times. I'm going to ask you the question. Yeah. Do you think Starbucks is a growth stock? Yes. 
you still do have, have faith that even though it's going to have 1% comp store sales, that it's a growth stock. Yeah, those comp store sales, that, that's a little bit of it. That, that obviously was an issue even last quarter when they, when, they, when they reported. They just barely beat the analysts, which was very low. But that part's been a headache. But you know what, Mel? I think what they're doing is the right thing. They're closing the stores they need to. The ex when you look at the growth outside of the United States, and I know Tim's looking exactly right at China and other areas, I think with the growth that we're seeing internationally is going to be huge for Starbucks. All right. Well, we should note that CNBC's David Faber will be sitting down with Starbucks CEO Kevin Johnson in an exclusive interview tomorrow at 9 a.m. And you can, by the way, vote in our Twitter poll right now whether you're buying or selling Pete's pitch on Starbucks at CNBC Fast Money. Results later on in the show. And while you're online, you can head to CharityBuzz.com. Listen up, guys, to bid on a chance to meet all of us here That's right. in Times Square. We'll get uh, You'll get a one-of-a-kind glimpse at all the behind-the-scenes action and maybe even a drink with Guy. What? If oh, it, yes, that's it, right. If it makes you want to bid more. No, if well, you want to bid more wait. and not have a drink, that's what you Bro, can have it. You bid on this thing, come to dinner. You got Fruity Pebbles, Pete. You got Tim, Steve. We'll get Dan, Nathan, Karen, Fruity Brian, Pebbles. Kelly. We'll get even Seaburg32 to go to dinner with you and your group. It's a lot of fun. Bid on it. It is a lot we of have fun. A good time. We have a great time every single year, and it's for a fantastic cause. So please check it out. Uh, CharityBuzz.com. The bidding, by the way, is going to close in 15 minutes. Whoa! Holy get on it. Yeah. Get on it. And there's going to be competition out there. So uh, go get ahead and bid. And get Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. The big story of the hour, General Electric getting booted from the Dow Jones Industrial Average and Walgreens replacing it. We've got a Kramer alert here. The madman himself, Jim Kramer, joining us now with his take. Well, Jim, what do you think? Well, Melissa, I mean, how the mighty have fallen. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, you're really talking about an icon. And I think there are a lot of people who don't follow the stock market well who will be shocked at this. I mean, those who follow well know that from 27 down to 13, it's been, uh, frankly, a uh, really a kind of a national corporate tragedy. But I think the rest of the world's going to discover and say, what happened to GE? And the answer is it was very poorly managed. And uh, as much as John Flannery's trying to turn it around, it's, it's more than a battleship. It's about 10 battleships. And there's just a lot of divisions that are leaky. I, I think that John's going to try to uh, fix things. And it's, it can be fixable. But I understand that the, I understand the balance sheet not as great as I'd like it to be. And I also know that Steve Tusa from J.P. Morgan has been dead right the whole way. And he says the dividend has to be cut. Um, we're at a 52-week low, or what yeah. would be an all-time low, basically, right now. Do you think that the worst is over? I mean, even though this is a battleship and there might still be problems to, to be dealt with, Jim, the stock could put in a bottom well before that, as we all know. We've seen that before. Um, do you think that, that we're close to it? Yeah, I do, Melissa. I mean, I, I literally think that if oil, when oil and gas was going back up, I felt that there's a lot of optionality for Flannery. If it stays right here, there's still a lot of optionality for Flannery being the new, new CEO. The power division is the black hole. Uh, Long-term care, they tell me that they've got their arms around it. There are pension issues. Uh, do they need uh, to cut the dividend again? They have not said that that's necessary. Uh, however, there was a very convoluted conference call where it seemed like that maybe uh, it was on the table. Uh, but you know what? To go against Steve Tusa here is a dangerous thing. The man has been dead right. He's J.P. Morgan's guy. I am sure that J.P. Morgan recognizes this guy is very, very powerful. And until he goes from sell to hold, I am unwilling to call bottom of the stock. Yes, he is that good. And he was on to GE long before everybody. And I use that word deliberate, on to it, meaning there was a lot that, need, that you needed to be on to. And most people, including me. Yes. Including me. Yes. I believed. And that's why I was wrong. 
So Walgreens Boots Alliance is going in the Dow to replace General Electric. Was that a surprise choice? No, I, I think that they've been leaning towards health care and they like these kind of, you know, look, they remember they went with UNH, uh, which I think surprised a lot of people. There's a lot of health care in, uh, in the Dow. I think that that's because it's a reflection of what's happened to the GDP growth. As, uh, as we know from Warren Buffett, as we know from Bezos, I thought Amazon would have been a more likely one. As we know from Jamie Dimon, there's, you know, the health care just takes up a huge amount of the GDP, so it fits to have a lot of health care. I like a lot of things that Walgreens doing. I would have preferred CVS, but it's still in the arbitrage situation. If uh, Mr. Kramer were head of the committee that chose the next component to be added to the Dow, would it have been a FANG stock? Yes, definitely. I mean, look, and the economy is Amazon. To not have it in Amazon, not have Amazon in there, I think is just a very big mistake. So that was a natural. Lost opportunity on their part, huh? Completely. All right, Jim. Well, thank hold you on, so Lisa. much. Yeah. 4,000. You're the man, Jim. All right. All right. 4,000 right awesome. here, right 4, now. 4,000 on Charity Buzz. Okay, we're tough Thank on China, you, and I got four Gs right here, right here. It's, it's You're a, the man, Jimmy. It's a great cause. We're at Jim's Restaurant. Yeah. Yes, Barb well, Miguel. Why we got to go there. Absolutely. Thank you, Jim. Thank Always you. great speaking with you, Jim Kramer. And Jim will have much more on GE. And talk to the CEO of one under-the-radar energy company. He is calling the top play right now. That's at the top of the hour on Mad Money. All right. So, so what do we think here, GE? GE. Yeah. I'm with Jim. I, I, I mean, I, it, he sounded fairly bearish. I mean, most everything that Jim was talking about when he was talking about GE. Amazon, I'm not so sure about in terms of the Dow, Dow stock or not. But, you know, he talked about poorly managed and some of the mistakes along the way, and that's what's really hurt him. What do we have to do? What do we have to do and see to become more confident in buying GE we need, around here. We need to know what the liabilities are. We need transparency into the balance sheet. You know, arguably, you know, John Flannery is doing what he has to do, you know, but this is a guy that also was part of the last regime. Um, I think at some point they need a clean slate over there, but the investors need transparency now. More asset sales, right? So you, you need to get those asset sales. You need to get a tailwind of asset sales behind you that he's really making these levels mm -hmm. that he had once said a year ago or whatever the timeline was. He's got to start gaining some traction, gaining some momentum. The next couple of days are going to be rough for GE because everyone, to Jim's point, everyone who doesn't even watch the stock market on a daily basis knows that GE was part of the Dow. So I think it's going to be tough for the next couple of days. I'm staying long the stock. I do think you see a pop. I mean, it's been in the Dow continuously for more than a But what is the Dow? Years. I hate to get all... Right. That's true. We've had that really, conversation. You know, Agreed. That's, that's true. I, I, but to Main Street, the Dow is a stock market. Exactly. It is, so it but is, it's, it's not so important. the balance that's why we, watch we should it. be looking for. All right, by the way, we've got about seven minutes. Seven Ooh. minutes left to bid for your chance to win an opportunity to meet all of us here at the NASDAQ. So go to Charity Buzz right now, please. It's for a great cause. Much more fast in just a minute. We've got an earnings alert on Oracle sinking in the after-hour session. Josh Lipton is standing by with the details. Hey, Josh. Melissa, Oracle CEO Mark Hurd talking about what investors care about the most, which is that cloud business, talking about some cloud wins in the quarter. Johnson & Johnson, Time Inc., he said, General Dynamics. Take a listen what he told analysts. A lot of wins. And I'm, I have more. I just don't have time. It was that sort of quarter for us. So, Mark, we're trying to set a confident tone there in the quarter. We should mention, Melissa, interestingly, they changed how they report here a bit. So they used to break out this separate cloud revenue number. 
Now they take cloud services and they combine that with software support. Um, and one analyst was on the call here and asked, listen, are you, by doing that here, you're just trying to kind of hide some potential cloud business weakness? CEO Software Cat saying, listen, there is no hiding. We're right where we said would be. we would be at 1.7 billion, strong cloud billing, strong margins. We have no bad news. She said this is just a better way to understand the business. She did, though, give some disappointing news here, uh, at least on Q1 EPS. She got it for 67 to 69 cents. The street was at 72. Melissa, back to you. All right. Thank you very much, Josh Lipton. Guy Downey, what's the trade here? Yeah, Salesforce is the trade. I mean, you could say Oracle's interesting on valuation, but the guide wasn't good. And in my opinion, you just see the fact that Oracle continues to lose to Salesforce. Mark Kurd could have spent as much time as he wanted to talk about all the wins if he had that many wins. Nobody had a stopwatch on him. So my point is this. Salesforce wins. Oracle seems to be losing. At a certain point, though, Oracle becomes compelling on valuation. I know that we're talking about Oracle, but did you know that Charity Buzz, the, I mean, there's... Oh, yeah. Let's, let's, let's get to what's uh, we up minutes, to. Two minutes left to bid. It's the last chance out there. By the um, way, this is so trading at a massive discount. Talk about, like, really intrinsic is. value. I mean, this thing has gone for 10 times this I or mean, more. I mean, so, dinner just with Tim by, is, by the way, right is now, $7,000, right? So we're we'll getting we'll all this in for we'll free. We're throwing in an after-dinner drink right now, too. Well, well, is this still Bar San Miguel, or where are we going? Aperitif. Well, no, Jim's out now. Jim's bid has Jim's been surpassed. We can still go to Jim's place. We can still go to Jim's place. We can still go to Jim's Sure, why not? love to go there. There it is. Chips and salt. Tequila Jim's place. If it means a higher bid, we'll go to Jim's place. If it means a higher bid not to go to Jim's place, we won't go to Jim's place. We're very flexible. for a great cause here. Great and you got about um, you know a minute and a half left. It is a great cause. It you and three cause. friends, dinner with all of us. We did it last year. It was a lot of fun. Lot it of went fun. for, Tim just said it, went for um, 11 times what it's yeah. being bid right now. Yeah, so but this, this is, is a valuation. I guess the question you have to ask is, has God been devalued in the last couple of months? Maybe because we all I, mean, have. I really feel like this is a, a disappointing show. <laughs> Maybe next level. time we'll do X Guy. I tell you what. Dinner I tell you what. I tell you what. Getting Guy on the Cheap is something I want to do. So, you know, I might have to step in. Different kind of show here. Uh, time for the final trade. One more minute to bid. One minute to bid. Pete, final trade. You know, we're talking about all this cloud stuff. Microsoft, still my very favorite. Giddy up. This thing's going higher. Less than a minute to bid, Tim. Yeah, check out <laughs> check out the Twitter poll for Pete on Starbucks. I, I think you're going to find, like he always does, he wins. Either way, this is a company that's winning. I, I don't care if it's a growth or if it's a staple company. Bottom line is, it's a well-run company with a great balance sheet and a dividend. I'm in it. I'm staying long. We got 30 seconds of bid, guys. Steve. Come on. Get it Lenar up there. unfairly punished in the marketplace yesterday based on a builder sentiment data point that was based on a wrong data point on lumber sales. Don't Lenore. let Guy feel devalued. I already Put that bid in. Put that bid in. I mean, Charity buzz. Guy. Charity buzz. What's we got in the final. How much time? Now? 15, 15 seconds. 15. Count it down. Giddy. Distressed guy right Head now. I mean, All right. I'm sure. Melissa Lee. See you back here tomorrow at 5. More fast. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. You still got time. Go ahead. CharityBuzz.com. Write that check. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.